We're to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 6. Uh, and I'm going to, because we haven't been here in so long, there's going to be some point, points that I'll touch back on a little bit as we get to them. I'm not going to reiterate everything that everyone has said up to this point because we'd be here all night. It took us, what, six months to get us here already, so uh, we'll just push ahead. So we'll start in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. It says, This will be the third time I'm coming to you by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Every word shall be established. Now we'll, we'll break this down verse by verse, and some even will break the verses down a little bit. So uh, the first thing I want to notice out of verse 1 is when he says, This is the third time I'm coming to you. This is similar to what he said in the previous chapter. Again, we're going back a little bit. In 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 14, he said, Now for the third time I'm ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours, but you, for the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. So again, what he's saying is, this is the third time that I've attempted to come to you. He's tried two other times previously, wasn't able to be there. So he's saying, this is the third time that I've tried to come to you. This is the third time that I've wanted to come and visit you. Then the rest of the verse, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. If you remember, all throughout 2 Corinthians, he's talked about these people that have uh, slandered Paul's name and the rest of the apostles. They've given uh, false accusations against the apostles, saying they're not really of God, that they are of God, that they don't need to listen to Paul, they need to listen to them, you know, all, this, all this kind of stuff. So Paul says, this will be the third time I'm coming to you. This is the third time I tried to come to you. And by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. And this will make more sense as we get to verse 2. But what he's saying is, uh, similar to what Jesus said in Matthew 18. Oh, I don't have that on there. Uh, Matthew 18 and verse 16. If you'll turn your Bibles there, apparently I don't have it on the screen. Matthew 18 and verse 16 says, But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And what Jesus is talking about here is if a brother has offended you, uh, the steps that you take in order to gain your brother back. First he said, Go and talk to them privately and see if you can solve it. Then take two or three witnesses with you and every word shall be established. And what he's saying is uh, that you need people there to make sure everything that's said is verified, that the person is actually not willing to, uh, let's say, uh, get over the offense, or that person is not willing to repent for what they've done. You have two or three people there saying, yeah, that's true. Everything that he's saying is true. I heard it from, from, with my own ears from his own mouth. So what Paul is saying is, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be talking with all of you guys, and I'm going to be with all those people that get brought false accusation against me, and by the mouth of it, two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Now, there's a couple different ideas as to what Paul is trying to say, uh, breaking it down. Uh, the two main theories, I think, are that either he's going to be there with two or three witnesses talking to the people that brought accusation, or he's going to have two or three people that said, hey, this is what this guy said. And he's going to have it verified by two or three people before he goes and talks to them. Now, basically, Paul's going to be there. He's going to talk to these people either with two or three witnesses or by two or three witnesses. He's going to know who, who was bringing accusations against him. And this will make more sense in verse 2. Verse 2 says, but if, oh, well, I do have that verse up there. I just have it <laughs> marked wrong. 
All right, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 2 says, I have told you before and foretell as if I were present the second time. Now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest that if I come again, I will not spare. And he's saying, just, as like, he, just like he was going to do the first two times, and foretell as if I was present the second time. Just like I said I was going to do the second time, all the things that I said I was going to do, I'm going to still do. I'm going to bring judgment to those, or not judgment, I'm going to bring, uh, I forgot the word, discipline, I guess would be the word, to those who have sinned and to those who are bringing accusations like this. And that's what he's saying in this verse, that uh, he's going to bring accusation by the witnesses, as what he talked about in verse 1. By two or three witnesses, I'm going to bring discipline to those that are accused. He's not going to go in full force. Okay, these are the people that I heard have been accusing us of this. He's going to have two or three witnesses. He's going to have every word established, and he's going to do it the way Jesus talked about in Matthew 18. 2 Corinthians 13.3 says, Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak towards you, but mighty in you. So this is continuing a thought. In verse 2, he said, if I come again, I will not spare. Verse 3, since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me. I won't spare because you want proof. That's what he's saying. I won't spare any sin because you want proof that's Christ speaking in me. And then he says, who is not weak towards you but mighty in you. I think this, this goes back to what uh, the accusations were in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 10. When he's talking about what the false accusers were accusing him of says, for his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his, his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. So they're, they're pointing at this and they're saying, look, Paul's weak. He, he's, he's weak. He can't, uh, all the things that he says, it can't be true because he's weak. Or don't listen to him because he's weak. His, his letters are weighty and powerful, but in real life, he's not at all that way. And he can't do anything about it. But it, what he said in chapter 13, he says, Christ is not weak towards you. And it's Christ that's speaking through me. So even though his bodily appearance may be weak, even though his speech may be weak, Christ who is in him is not weak towards them, but mighty. In verse 4 he says, For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God, for we also are weak in him, but we shall live by, with him by the power of God towards you. I, 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 this first line is interesting. For though he was crucified in weakness... I mean, you think about the crucifixion, and you think that was Jesus' weak point. You know, when Jesus said, I could bring 12 legions of angels and end this right here, right now, that was his weak point. <laughs> the point where he was like, I could end it all right here. I could stop this if I wanted to, but I'm going to hold out for you. That was his weak point. But that's not what he's saying. He's not saying that Jesus was crucified in weakness. It seemed like it was weakness. It seemed like it, but really... He lives by the power of God. He died because he was human, and he, he died, but he lives by the power of God. And it's the same power of God that brings salvation and eternal life to those who believe in him. We are also weak in him. We're going to die just like Jesus did. We're going to die just like everyone else has for all eternity, save two people. We're going to die, but we shall live with him by the same power of God towards you. We shall live with him. Yeah, I said that right. So we have the exact same power that Christ has that one day will be resurrected just as Christ was. Even though Christ died in quote-unquote weakness, 
we will die in our weakness as humans, but one day we'll live with him by the power of God towards you. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead, the power of God. In verse 5 says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? He says, examine yourselves. If you want that salvation, if you want that power of God, examine yourself as to whether you're in the faith. As to whether you, or whether you know that Jesus Christ is in you. I think this also is Paul telling the people, examine yourself, not me. I've got Christ. I know I've got Christ. I know I'm saved. Do you? That's what he's asking them. He's asking them, stop looking at me. Stop putting me under the microscope. Put yourself under the microscope. Saying, examine yourself. I, I thought I had another verse, but it's later on. So examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Because if you don't know that Jesus Christ is in you, if you don't know that you're saved, you're disqualified. If you don't know, then you're not. If you don't know that you're saved, you're not. And I'd ask us all, examine yourself. Are you 100% sure that you're saved? Because if you're not 100% sure, you might be disqualified. So keep that in mind as we go along. But in verse 6 it says, But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. So by their self-examination, they would know that Paul and the rest of the apostles are not disqualified. They would know by their own internal examinations. They say, you know what? They are right. <laughs> I was wrong. I was wrong to doubt. I was wrong to do all this. They were actually right in doing that. So by examining themselves, they would know that the apostles are actually of Christ and they're not disqualified because they actually have the faith. It's the same faith that uh, gave them miracles, same faith that get, rose Jesus from the dead. And it's the same miracles and faith that they saw while Paul was there. And all the rest of the apostles were there. So by examining themselves, they would realize, yeah, they're the real deal. So that's what he's saying in verse 6. I trust that you will know we're not disqualified. So what can we learn from these six verses? I think there's three things for sure that we can learn in these six verses, at least three things. Number one, do not be quick to judge. You think back to Paul in verse 1 and 2. He said, by the mouths of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Paul was not going to come in, guns blazing. Who are the people that brought accusation against me and march straight up to them and start disciplining? He was, he was not quick to judge. He had to take the steps that Jesus laid out. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. This is where we go back to that. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear him, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to hear even the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So this is, this is uh, 
the reason I side with one of the theories more than the other, when Paul said, I will take, or, or by the mouth of two or three witnesses, I think he's talking about uh, right here, if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. I think Paul is there as an authority, not necessarily as the one who is wronged, but, or the one that goes to the brother face to face. I think that's been done. So when Paul comes, they bring two or three witnesses to him, the authority in the congregation. And if they refuse to hear even the church, they'll be like a heathen and a tax collector. So Paul had to go through all these steps already. They had already been, uh, if this is true, if it's the other way that Paul was one of the two or three witnesses, this would still have to be uh, done in the right manner. Tell him this fault between you and him alone. Then bring two or three witnesses. Then tell it to the church. So Paul had to take all the steps, and I think that's a lesson that we have to do as well. Not to just rush into judgment, not to rush into any kind of discipline, but follow the steps that Christ laid out, just like Paul did. I believe Paul had authority in the church. Paul was an apostle. He saw the resurrected Christ, and he could perform miracles. He had all these miraculous gifts. I believe Paul had authority in the church. He still had to follow the steps. He still had to follow the steps of uh, there has to be two or three witnesses. You have to go to them, uh, you and him alone. You have to then, if they even refuse to hear the church, they'll be heathen tax collectors. Then discipline is started. Or it's not started, but discipline is uh, taken up a notch. So do not be quick to judge. Do not be quick to judge, especially the brethren. But go through the steps, just as Paul did. Another lesson we can learn is though we are weak, we have the same hope of the resurrection that Jesus had. We have that same power in us that resurrected Jesus from the dead. 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12 says, This is a faithful saying, For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we died with him, meaning if we're baptized with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. And that reign with him means be in the kingdom with him. Be in uh, that eternal kingdom. That's the church. But also, I think it's heaven. We also reign with him. We're in heaven with him. We're, if we endure and we stay with him, that same hope of resurrection Jesus had will stay with us and we'll be resurrected with him for eternity. It's, it's a very important point that Paul had that even though we're weak, as human beings, we're weak. We're sinful. We're going to die one day. But we have that power. Or God has given us that power that one day we'll be resurrected. That one day, it won't matter what this past life was. It won't matter what we did on the earth. But we'll be with him and we'll reign with him for eternity. The third and final thing that we can learn well, not final thing, but the third thing that I found that we can learn is to examine yourself before examining others. Luke 6 and verse 42 says, Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let, re let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. I think this is part of what Paul was telling the people in Corinth to do when he said, examine yourself, because they were examining Paul pretty harshly. 
They were examining Paul. They were saying, well, maybe he's not in the faith. Maybe he's not like uh, what he says he is. Maybe all these other guys are right. But we have to examine ourselves before we examine someone else and find their faults. If you know about someone else's faults more than you know about your own faults, that might be a problem. We have to examine ourselves so we don't end up like this guy who's saying, remove the speck that's in your own eye when you've got a plank in your eye, a beam of wood in your eye. Kind of hard to remove something real small from someone's eye when you've got something like this in front of your face. <laughs> you can't see it. Not clearly. How can we help other people when we don't know or can't see our own failures, our own problems? That's why it's so important to examine ourselves. That's why Paul told the Corinthians, examine yourselves. Instead of examining everyone else around you, instead of, instead of examining me, or even examining those that say that I'm wrong, examine yourself, and then you'll know. It's a very important lesson that Paul taught here at the end of the book, or near the end of the book. That after all of this, after all of his explaining, this is why they're wrong, this is why I am in the faith, you know I'm in the faith, he said, examine yourselves and you will know that all the things that I've said are accurate. All the things i said are true. Everything you've seen proves it. When you examine yourselves, you'll know. And that's an important lesson for us that we when we examine ourselves we see that same power that was given to us and our second our, our uh, second lesson though we're weak we have the same hope of resurrection when we examine ourselves we see that that's true when we examine ourselves if we're honest with ourselves we see that we're weak we see that we're sinful and we need that same hope and when we read scripture we find that we have that same hope and we have that same power and when we examine ourselves, we become less quick or uh, more quick or less quick to judge. We become slower to judge when we examine ourselves because, honestly, I have a lot of problems. And I need to think about that before I go to DB and say, hey, I've got a problem with this. What if DB has a problem with me? What if I've done something to DB that I don't know about? I need to examine myself before I start examining DB and nitpicking every single thing he does. So honestly, when you start examining yourself and nitpicking all the things you do, the things that other people do are not that important. They don't matter quite as much. You really think about what I've done, or when I really think about what I've done, what everyone else has done, not that big a deal. When I remember all the things that I've been forgiven for, it makes it a lot easier to forgive someone else of something, whatever they did. So I think the main lesson from these six verses we can take is examine yourself. Examine yourself. And that's what I'm asking everyone here to do tonight. Examine yourself. Do you know 100% that you are saved? Do you know tonight that if you died right here, right now, there is not a shadow of doubt that you would go to heaven? Because like Paul said, if you're, if you're not... And, and uh, for some reason, I have the old King James on my mind. You'll be reprobates. Be rejected. Disqualified is what New King James says. Thought of the word. Do you know? Examine yourself. Do you know? If you don't, we are here to help you. 
We're here to pray for you. We're here to strengthen you and encourage you so you know for a fact that you are saved. If you're sitting here tonight and you've examined yourself and you find yourself lacking, or if you find yourself doubting, or you have something that you cannot get over, a sin problem that you need help with, that's what we're here to do tonight. Let us know. Come forward while we stand and sing an invitation song.